0: Lovely to see you all this this evening, and uh, for me, it's a huge privilege. The first engine room of the year, and if you didn't know it, this right here in the room is the dream team. This is the dream team right here. Do you know that? That you're the part of the dream team, the team that makes the dream come alive. Uh, it took me all the afternoon to work that one out. But it's an amazing thought, because three years ago, we were sitting together, and we said, actually, we were dreaming as, as a group of people. We're saying, what? What has God got for us? Is life changing? What, what are we wanting to do? And we said we we dreaming of building a church with our mates. We want to build a church with our mates. And then we thought, let's develop a meeting where the dream team can get together. We can share heart. We can laugh. We can have fun. We can eat together. But we can also share values and actual the deep things that God is saying to us so that people can be on the same page carrying the same heart. So it's not just one or two people with, the, with a heart beating for this church and the city, but it's a team together doing it. And I want to say, uh, we, we called this thing, we debated what we could call it, and we went for the name Engine Room, because in this room is the engine room of this church. We really believe it, we want to thank you so much for all your efforts, all of the sweat, all the early hours, the late, t- the late days, where you pour into people, you pour into serving, and, and pour into excellence. We want to say thank you so much, because this right here is our dream team. So, well done, can you give yourselves a round of applause, it's very cool. Just uh, for us, just, uh, I'm going to just take 25 minutes, of that's right, just to share some stuff. And then we've got a couple other things planned. But we, we really are, what we're we amazingly getting to do together here is that we're going to build a culture. And we're doing this. We've been, we've been seeing God start to add the momentum to the culture that we're building that other people get to just step into. There was a man named Craig Clark. He came and he told us a story. He, the story was, he said it was army days, and he said when he was, he was with a sadistic army sergeant and, and, and the, they'll go in their platoon, they'll go on their marches, and even in their free time, in the heat of the day, they'll be allowed to get in the pool and swim a bit. But this, this, the sergeant would turn everything into a, an exercise. And uh, as they were just swimming and lounging around, he'll say, no guys, you've got to march around the inside of the pool, you've got to march around until that thing becomes a whirlpool. So that they all would push and push and strain but as the whirlpool started to go and get gather a uh, pace, they realized that they could then just start to relax and fake it and just go with the tide. But then the sadistic sergeant would catch on this and say, okay guys, about turn and they'll have to go against the, the current of the water. But, but as he was explaining this to us, he was saying, actually what we were trying to do in church here with, with, our, with the dream team, with the engine room people who make this thing happen, is that we are going to set the pace of the, of the tide, we're getting to as, that we've worked hard. I know a lot of people, some of you have been involved for a long time, others short time, but we've got to get to set the pace and set the culture of this church. And the incredible thing for me is that the pace that we are setting and the direction we're seeing and the environment that we are creating together, other people are walking in and just going, wow, this is amazing because the current is flowing. Other people have paid the price so that other people can come and just get into something by default. That's what we are doing. That's what we are part of. That we'll work hard so people can get in that. Because we believe, here at Life Changes, just in case you didn't know, I'm taking that off. That's all right. That we really believe that the church is not built on the gifts and talents of the few, but rather on the sacrifices of the many. We are convinced of that. That the church is not built on the gifts and talents of the few, but on the sacrifice of the many. We've said these many times. I just want to get them through into our hearts one more time. That we say it again and again. That save people, serve people. So that serve people will become saved people. We're simple people. That we serve people so that, that maybe by that current that we create, people would find the eternal king. And joy more Just by our acts of serving. And we say it again and again. We're not trying to be the best church in the city. We're not trying to be the best church in the city. We're not trying to compete with other churches. How small and how boring if that was our goal. We don't want to be the best church in the city. We want to be the best church for the city. We exist for this city. We exist to serve this people. And it's such a privilege to do it together with you. This evening, I'm going to preach for 15 minutes, if that's all right. Just to set us in the motion. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate that. And uh, we're going to read from Acts chapter 3. I've been reading this passage for a while. I've preached on it in a couple different forums. It's going to be a little bit different this evening. If you've heard me speak on Acts 3 recently but it's that God has been shaping me and I really believe it's for us as a community this year for people who make this thing happen. So I'm going to ask if it's it's possible. We're going to read the scripture together. It's 10 verses. They went up for 10 verses on a Thursday night. Okay. But I'm going to ask because we are really developing a culture here in Life Changes, a a whirlpool that other people will be able just to get into. So it might be tricky at first that we are participators, not just spectators. Spectators are not good. We don't watch stuff. We don't just engage. Participators are people who change the world, who engage with. So I'm going to ask you a favor. Could you stand to your feet? We're going to read scripture together, and we're going to give God our attention, our focus, and I'll ask you to participate. Engage with the word. Don't just go call cool, this is another moment. The word of God is living and active. And I pray that it will shape us and would and transform us and move us forward with purpose. So let's read it together. Acts chapter 3. It'll be on the screen now. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gates, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Before you sit down, let's just pray quickly. Father, I thank you for the next 15 minutes. Would you speak to us? Would you shape us? Thank you, Father God. Would you create that current in our hearts that we will be able to carry the culture of heaven, to a world that desperately needs it. Thank you for this. Before you sit down, the title is leaving. believe it or not, is called I'm Up For It. I'm up for it. And I'm going to ask you very quickly because we're participators and because we are charismatic like Edwin says, can you high-five five people around you and say to them, I'm excited, five people, and say, I'm up for it, I'm up for it. Okay, once you're done, take your seats. Once you're done, take your seats. We're going to move on through this. Very quickly, some background about this guy. We're zoning in on this guy who's been lying by the gate beautiful for 40 years. Some background. I love the fact that we are not given this guy's name. But he's been in the same place for a long time, but no one's asked him his name. It's amazing. It's astounding. This guy is simply known as the lame beggar at the gate beautiful. That's who he's known as. He hasn't walked for 40 years. This man's never known the pleasure of running, never known the pleasure of dancing or playing sports. This man's been in the same spot for years. He's laid out there day after day after day. He's the lame beggar at the gate beautiful. We don't know his name, but every children's church person will know He has a song. Anyone want to sing it with me? He went walking and leaping and praising God. Anyone know that one? It's one of my favorites. He doesn't have a name, but he's got a song. (laughs) Amazing. But I love this story because I see this man. No name, no mention of it, but this man is defined by his condition, the lame beggar, and his location. At the gate, beautiful. His, his whole existence, uh, that Scripture, all that can tell us about this man, that he's been here for year in, year out, summers, winters, but all the people have found out about this guy is he's lame, he's a beggar, and he's sitting at the same place, the gate beautiful. His world is quite small. He's become defined by his disability. He is defined by his lack. But for me, the good news for us together tonight is that we serve a king who's in the redefining business. No matter how long you've been in the same place, no matter how long you've battled with the same thing, no matter how long you've been sitting and people have, have boxed you, people have kept you, people have walked on bypassed you, no matter where you are, what you are defined by, your condition, your location, I'm just an accountant, I'm just this, I'm just a whatever, I'm just a mom, I'm just whatever you've been defined by, we've got a king who redefines for his glory. So I want to ask you this question, give us three quick helpful points this evening, is how does a lame beggar, a lame beggar who no one knows his name, how does he become the centerpiece for a revival and a riot in just 11 short verses? You see, if you go read at home, verse 12 onwards, what happens after this man's dramatic healing is that a massive crowd run because they see this man get healed. They run there. Revival breaks out. Peter gets up, preaches, and they hundreds get saved. But also in the same breath, the Pharisees and the Sadducees see this lame beggar getting up, this whole, this whole uproar. They get frustrated. They come, and they, they come with their iron fist, and they drag Peter and John into jail. How does a lame beggar, who everyone's just stepped over, walked on by, maybe chucked at the best on a bit of a few coins at him. For 40 years, he's, that's been his condition and his location. How does that guy in 11 verses turn a city on his head with revival and, and riots? I want to maybe give us a clue here. From the scriptures, I believe that though he couldn't walk, this man took up three postures. The first posture will come on the screen for us. And I believe something that we need to embrace as a people is a posture of expectation. I love this. Walking in past he's been sitting there for years. He's waiting, waiting. And Peter and John say, look at us. And he turns there and it says, expecting to get some money. Just a little bit of something different. Someone spoke to him and he turned his attention. Very small faith. This man wasn't, wasn't expecting that day to get radical healing. He didn't come there going, oh, I'm pumped up for the glory. No, no, he was small faith. His faith was enough. I might get some bucks. He had small, small faith and still look what happened. Can I tell you, for years, this man had fixed his eyes on what disqualified him. But in one moment, he was called to attention to expect something great. With confidence, those guys, almost the the boldness, the brashness. Look at us, they said, demanding his attention. I want to ask us the question, what are you fixing your eyes on? Your disabilities, your disqualifications, your deficiencies, your defaults, or are you fixing your eyes on his provision, his perspective? I want to tell us again, and I believe this with everything inside me, is that our future is determined by which direction we are looking. Are we looking backwards at what has been, or are we leaning forward into the unseen? Something we learn about God in Scripture, that God is not moved by need. Does anyone know that? God is not moved by need. Because if He was, there would be no poverty. There would be no sickness, because He's not moved by need, but God is moved by faith. God is moved by faith and expectancy. Those who look to Him, He's moved by there's a story I love, a man I've told many times, a, f- a famous man, one of the most famous men in the, the modern-day uh, representation of Christendom, a man named Billy Graham. He's preached to millions, millions and millions of people. And the story of Billy Graham, this man who had this incredible authority to see people get saved and just to preach simply and to see the power of God unleashed. There's a story of him that I love When his, in his young days, when he was a, bunch, a young teenager with a bunch of mates who were just desperate to do something exciting for God. They were praying on a hilltop one day. And his wife recounts the story. we were praying and we looked around and we couldn't see Billy after a while. Where's Billy disappeared you late in the night? until we heard him some murmuring over, over yonder. And we found Billy lying face, face down. Not face down. Face down. Face down in the wet grass with his eyes closed, banging the ground saying, God, let me do something great for you. God, let me do something great. Let me tell you, Ann Graham, his wife, says it was in that moment she... For Billy, because she said it was a sense of destiny and expectation that first attracted him to me. I want to tell you, Anne wasn't the only one attracted by Billy's expectation. I believe that our faith attracts the power of God. The power of God is not unleashed by committees, it's not unleashed by, by anything else except faith. And, and, I, and I, I, I just go, I, what happened to Billy to see the rest of his life? There's something burning in his heart. I, I believe that expectation unlocks the impossible. And as I was reading this more this afternoon, Ezekiel 37, you may or may not know it, but it's a famous prophetic passage where, where, where there's a whole where, where the Lord takes Ezekiel out and says to Ezekiel this question He says, Son of man, what do you see? He invites him to look. And Ezekiel says, I see dry bones, a valley of dry bones. In the natural, I see that. But God invites them to see a different perspective. What do you see, though? What are you calling you to see? It was a moment just like Peter and John. Look at us. He probably looked at many other people. Yes, yes, Bucks. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. But in this moment, there's a the demanding of your attention for something more. And I believe there's a call right now for you and I, as, a, as people in this church, that there's a moment. I really believe, without being dramatic, without trying to stir up anything that's more than, than it needs to be. But I believe we're standing on something, the edge of something great. And God is saying, look at us, look at me, look at me. Will you be a people who turn your attention on me? In your personal life as a church, will we be a people that shift our gaze from the natural, from what we see, the disqualifications? We're just a little church in Tableview in Milnerton. Or would you turn your eyes and start to see me, the God of the impossible? Though he couldn't walk, he was up for a posture of expectation. What do you see? Second thing, second posture this evening was that he had not only a posture of expectation, he had a posture of obedience. You see, I love this, that faith without obedience is just wishful thinking. Do you know that? Faith only becomes faith when there's obedience that corresponds with it. I love this. These these guys, they say that. They say, look at us. The next thing they say, they say, silver or gold we don't have, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. What confidence these guys had. What confidence does you say that it's in front of a crowd and create a stir? But I love the fact for me, if we shift, we often focus on Peter and John them saying that. But for this guy who's for 40 years, have never known any strength in his legs. Who's never known anything. And two brash guys walk past and say, look at us, get up and walk. What? It's a strange day here yeah, at church. What's, what have they been serving inside that room there? Weird, you know? But I love the faith that's in this man, that God, he believes in this thing. And we, we really are people that believe this, that if God says it, that settles it. If God has spoken it, I believe it. I'll believe it. And, I, and I, I really want this to be the currency that we put in our hearts as people who make this church work. Because I want to ask us, what has God said about our future and your future that we need to start believing? I've got here in my hands. We found it in the, the cupboard yesterday. Hidden away in our church. Prophetic words about Life changes. Church from the first year this church was in existence. Words that were spoken by prophetic people when when they were meeting in a home with about 10 or 15 people. Words that were spoken. As I was reading them, I was almost broken to tears. 11 years before I would ever even set foot in this church, people were prophesying and sowing with faith what God was going to do in here setting a current, setting a temperature that other people like you and me just would stumble into. They go, wow. Let me tell you some of these incredible things. Do you know, while they were in another home, one of these words that was spoken here, if I can find where it was. See, somebody said this, that you would find, the words that you will find, I believe God is giving you land and cheaply, he will give you land and cheap land. They'll be visible and there will be a public space, a great space. They're in a home, they're living in a little home with 15 people. And can I tell you what I love about the man Wally Gertzma? Was that with 15 people, he received that word and go, ah, that's beautiful. One day someone will get to do that. We all trust. We must pray for it. Yes, they prayed for it. But faith only becomes faith when there's obedience following with it. Wally believed and from that day started to look for land. From that day, thank you, Lord. Went and, I've got to look for land. We don't have the finances. I don't, we don't have the, the people who's going to fund this, but they've, but God's spoken. We're going to get land and cheaply. So i got to look. I've got to go and step out. I can't just say, yes, great word. But I love this incredible thing because this is a big point for me. That expectation is changing where you look. The first point. Change where you look. But obedience is starting to walk in that direction. Let me say that again. I thought that was profound. That expectation is changing from where you look obedience is I'm going to start walking in that direction. I'm glad three, four of us are really encouraged by that. I was like, sheesh, good. I love this because as I read these words around words, can I tell you words that were spoken in the early days into the very foundation, into the current of this church, was that there'll be this church will be a home for 19 to 25, 26-year-old young professionals who would come and would have an influence into the city ball. Can I tell you something? When I arrived here, the, the amount of young adults was here. It was like Duran and, and Jake and three others. <laughs> Good times. Thank you, guys. Are eh? you just walking that current on your own? I think the word, they're professional. Oh, anyway, no, I'm joking. <laughs> but I love it. Can I can I tell you the incredible thing? I'm seeing, we're seeing young adults. We're seeing people come pouring into church. We've just planted our first home group into the city ball. Can I tell you, this is exciting for me. That God was speaking these things before we were even here. In other words, an army who wouldn't care about reputation or fame. I go, look out and I go, oh God, look what you're doing. The dream team. People who won't care about expense, about extra moments. I'm going to push into God no matter what's going on. I know what's going on in some of your lives. Tough times. And yet people saying, but we still will serve God. I want to ask us the question tonight. What has the enemy talked you into that God is calling you out of? What situation, what limitation has the enemy talked you into that, that actually you'll always be an addict? You always will struggle with that. You'll always, that's your personality. You'll, you'll always just be a background type of person. You, 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 you won't really ever understand the word of God properly. You'll never lead someone to the Lord. You're not like that person. What has the enemy talked you into that God's calling you out of? That you can look in a different direction with expectation and start to walk in it. Third and final posture. First one, posture of expectation. Secondly, a posture of obedience. Thirdly, I love this, was a posture of partnership. This man, man who couldn't walk for 40 years, look at us. He turns the expectation to them. He says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. He starts to obey. But then Peter, the amazing thing, Peter puts his hand out. And the moment of truth comes. Boy, it's time for the rubber to hit the road. Will you receive the healing that God has got for you? Receive a future, not just a healing, but a future that will change the destinies of countless others in this area who are going to respond to Jesus right now. In this moment that we're gonna as we read. In this moment I can imagine him seeing the hand and going, Oh, this could end up awkward for me. I could be on my fat or flat on my face. I could be I don't know. What are you gonna do? What if I don't know. What does it feel like of having my ability to walk? I don't know. But I love the fact the scripture tells us that this man, he saw the hand go out and he takes the man's hand and says, as Peter was lifting him up, strength came to his legs. The strength didn't come when you're sitting there going, thank you, bless you, brother. I receive it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to fast. And I love that word. No, no, no. It came in the moment that he grabbed his hands, healing came. In the act of being pulled up. Let me tell you this. For me, I really believe the posture of partnership is that we are never meant to do this alone. We preached a, few year, a year or two ago. We preached a series called The Irresistible Community. I don't know if anyone remembers that. But for me, it wasn't just, it wasn't just a good idea or a clever it's a series. It was a series that burnt in us, a word that burnt in us. that We said we want to change the world together with our mates. Can I tell you what I love about Billy Graham? Sorry, I've been just reading a little bit about it. Is that actually the 12 friends that are with him on that hilltop were the 12 friends with him at the very end of his ministry. They ministered together for like 70 years. They saw millions get saved. Different giftings, different, but meant to do this together. Here's my thought here, yeah, is that if you don't get this, you'll surround yourself with people who make you feel comfortable, but it will never challenge you. Can I tell you, that guy was surrounded by, where was he outside a temple, outside a church for years? People walked past, well-meaning people, probably ran a, a, a nice, gave him some some food buckets and some money. And they were kind to him, possibly. People who made him comfortable in where he was, but nobody who ever was there to lift him out of a situation and call him to more. And I think a lot of the times I surround, I've i surrounded myself with people who just pander to my comfort. And don't call me on to the more that God has for me. You know, there's a scripture that says, don't be unequally yoked. We we quote it with marriage. No, you must marry a believer. I I really believe that's true, but I also believe that it's it's for every single person. Every single relationship, I, I really believe that don't surround yourself with people who agree with your status quo. Maybe I can put it this way. If you want to slay giants, surround yourself with giant slayers. If you want to slay giants, get people who've killed giants around you. This is biblical. David killed Goliath. Does everyone know that one? Good, he was just checking. Good. Can I tell you, David had a group of young guys who followed him and surrounded themselves with him called the mighty men. Go read about it in 1 and 2 Chronicles. Do you know what slipped in the Bible? Many of those guys killed giants as well after David killed Goliath. David's mighty men killed giants of their own. They don't get a big children's share story for out of it. Shame. But the kingdom of God moved forward. Can I tell you, they were able to kill giants because they hung around with the man who'd done it. And I think the problem for a lot of us, we're waiting in the shallow ends when God's saying, come to the deep end. Can I tell you, I really believe this. That actually, maybe we need to say it. Can you say to the person next to you, say to I need you. I need you and you need me. This, if, you're trying to, if, you, if you, It's not a pickup line, so just be careful. But just in the sense, I really believe this. That God puts people together, not by accident, but because he has a vision, a future that's far greater than we could ever imagine. That I believe I'm not in this church with people here to keep each other comfortable. I'm here with people here that we're going to take the gospel seriously and take this city and and do something that God has been dreaming in his heart since the foundation of the world. Do you know that? That actually Jesus is convinced about what he's put inside of us. Can I tell you, Satan is convinced what Jesus has put inside of us. That's why he's attacking. That's why he'll try and pull you down. That's why he'll try and keep you where where you're at. Can I tell you, actually, all creation, the Bible says all creation waits and groans for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Creation knows what's inside of you. Jesus knows it. The devil knows it. Creation knows it. The only people who are guessing is us. I don't know. um, Can I walk? I don't know. Maybe I'm just supposed to be in the same place for the same, for year after year after year. No. Look at us. Posture of expectation. Get up and walk. Posture of obedience. Here's my hand. Partnership. Posture of partnership. Here's my final thing Here is This expectation, as I said, is changing where you look. Obedience is starting to walk in that direction. Partnership is taking the hand of the people who call you up. Looking in a new direction, walking it, and saying, we're going together and keeping people with you. I love it. They said, look at us. And he said, I'm up for it. A man who'd never been up in his life. I'm up for that. They said, get get up and walk. I'm up for it. Never known what that is, but I'm up for that. Take my hand. I'm up for that. I said this the other day at Milton, but I believe it. Give your attention to heaven on purpose, and you'll get earth's attention by default this man wasn't looking to start a revival. He wasn't looking to get the attention of the political powers of the day. But in a moment when he turned his attention to what heaven was saying, earth could not ignore it for long. I'm praying that we'll be a church that'll be obsessed with what God is calling us to. Not obsessed with what the enemy is saying, what the church down the road is saying, what are they saying, what are my friends saying about us, what, what I'm saying and disqualifying myself. Actually, no, no, no. Expectation, obedience and partnership. I'm going that way. And I'll tell you, people will start to see And people will start to notice. And people will start to flock here because the culture is going and going and going. People will get in that culture and people will be able to walk into the inheritance because giant slayers here have killed their giants. Others will be able to come by default and kill their giants. I believe as I finish here tonight, on a Thursday night, I know how can you get so excited on a Thursday night? But I believe this afternoon as I was praying, I'm calling the sleeping giants in this room, the pioneers, the creators, the dreamers, would you rise up? Get up. I believe that what has previously defined you in your personal capacity will no longer restrict you. If you're saying in your personal capacity right now, I've been restricted. Gabe, I've been held back. I've, been, I've settled down. I believe tonight's the night you say, actually, but I'm going I'm to say I'm up for it. I'm up for, not for emotional hype, not for a new course, a new, it's not a New Year's resolution, but up for heaven's voice that's saying, look at us, get up and walk. If that's you tonight, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. And I'm praying for myself, because I believe God's got something for us as a people this year that we will be amazed at this time next year we'll be telling stories Do you remember that night when we, like Billy Graham, lay on the floor and said, God, do something great with me? Father, I pray right now, in this room, your presence is here. As I even preach, God, I I feel you putting courage in my heart. Right now, God, you... You, 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 all the restrictions, the lies that we're believing, that we have held us back, that have watered us down, that has settled us down. We are, we are shaking them off and we are, t- we are leaning into what you are saying. Your voice cuts through and your voice speaks to us right now. We are people who believe that what God says settles it. We'll believe it. I thank you God in the stream, husbands and wives, sons and daughters, marriages that have been struggling, that, that people with financial situations, people who've been holding back with their, their faith with you, fear of man has gripped them. Uh, they have not been, they've been scared to step out. They've been scared They put giftings on the shelf. God, tonight will be the night where they'll say, actually, I believe you, Jesus. I changed my expectation. I changed the way I, where I'm looking. And I'm going to start walking in a new direction. And I'm going to do this not alone, but going to get people around me who are going to call me to that story. I thank you, Spirit of the living God, right now in this place. You're changing the culture of our hearts. The tide is starting to go and and the, 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 the current is starting to flow. You're calling us, God. I thank you, Jesus, in this place. You're raising us up for such a time as this. Father God, even in, in some of us, maybe in John 4, as we, there's a woman, a Samaritan woman says to Jesus, the, the Messiah, one day he'll come and then he'll explain it all. And a lot of us live in that one day God will do something great. Today is the day of salvation, says the Lord. If you hear my voice, do not harden your heart today. I thank you, Father God. We're softening our hearts and saying, Jesus, we're up for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Before you sit down, I want to land with this for us as a people, as a team. Dream team, engine room. Can I ask us in our individual lives, and as a team, as a people, can we create a culture of expectation, a culture of obedience, and a culture of partnership? And I promise you, watch what God will do in and through this church. Give your attention to heaven on purpose, and you'll get the attention of earth by default. Thank you, Jesus, that you've got us in your hand. And we say yes to that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.